It gives me great pleasure to introduce our next speaker. And we've been blessed this month, but uh, Dr. Ted Levtrov is also one of our church brethren, if you will, one of our brothers here at Cala Mesa. And uh, he spoke last year uh, at Cala Mesa. And I just want to tell you a little story. I don't think I, I shared this with you before. I might have shared it with a few. But last year, um, I was exercising, and this young lady came up to me, and she said, she goes, um, you're a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, right? And I said, yes. And she said, you guys have that woman prophet, right? And I said, yes. And, and, and she says, I find that very intriguing. And I said, okay. And uh, she was, especially that she was a woman. <laughs> and I said, all right. And uh, so we talked a little bit and a little bit more about what Adventists believe. And then uh, I said, you know what? I go, what are you doing a couple of Saturdays from now? Because we have someone speaking at our church who is one of the best in our denomination when it comes to Ellen White. And I'd love for you to come join us, come sit with my family and so forth. So long story short, she ended up coming and was blessed immensely by Dr. Lev Trov. She emailed me later that week and she said, can I get the PowerPoint you know, from his presentation? I would love to have that, just look at it more. And I said, absolutely, we got that for her. Well, she moved out of the area and uh, but we've kept in touch a little bit through Facebook and she said, she goes, I just want you to know I'm, I'm with some friends tonight and I'm sharing with them the PowerPoint presentation from Dr. Levtra's <laughs> message. And I thought, wow. So I shared that with him. I said, your message is going on and going on. So what I love about Dr. Levtrov is that he shares such rich material about God and his activity in our church in a way that just applies directly to us today. And that anyone, even if not on a Seventh-day Adventist, can come in here and walk away with that in their lives. So, Ted, thank you so much for being with us, and let's welcome him here this morning. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Come on, give me more. Don't sleep, okay? I know you're hungry, but the burger is coming after the sermon. I, I, I spent a whole week writing it, so you have to listen to me. <laughs> you have no choice, no choice. All right. Happy Sabbath. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Pastor John, for the invitation. Thank you, Dr. Bob, for the nice camp meeting. I was telling the first service, right? I have been a pastor. I've been to many camp meetings. But there is none like camp meeting... At Kalimesa, right? I want everyone to know that. I mean, music and, and all of these beautiful, beautiful things that, uh, that we experience every Sabbath. So I have a suggestion for Dr. Bob and the pastor. Let's make it two months next year, okay? Let's vote. Let's vote. All right. So, um, no, we don't want to overburden them, but we are so grateful for, for that. And um, I particularly like the topic this year, Revelation chapter 14. Because this is really not only God's final message to the world, this is the message that identifies Seventh-day Adventists, who we are. Revelation 14. It describes the Advent hope 
It describes the gospel. And you know I'm a teacher, so here we go with the quiz. Are you ready for that? We, we listened uh, uh, right in the beginning of the month about the first angel's message. What was the first angel's message? John saw this angel flying, having the everlasting gospel. In other words, God's final message is all about Jesus. It's about the gospel. And then we listened to Dr. John Pauline, and he talked about the second message. Babylon, Babylon, it's fall, fallen. And Dr. Pauline reminded us that sometimes your religion may go wrong. So be careful. And then we have the third angel's message, which really said if anyone worship, you know, that scary thing. Well, it's what really God is saying to us. It's be careful. Make a decision. That will affect your life. God is warning us to get serious about our faith. Today I want to finish with the conclusion of Revelation chapter 14 of the third angel's message. Okay? So we'll spend our time mostly on Revelation 14 verse 12. And here it is. Here is the patience of the saints. John finishes the message. Here at this, they keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. If Revelation chapter 14 is the Adventist chapter, verse 12 is the Adventist verse. I mean, this is really the verse that distinguished Seventh-day Adventists from the very beginning. You don't believe me? They had that verse on the front, on the front page of their Facebook why are you laughing? You didn't know that they had a Facebook? Look at this. It was called Review and Herald. Okay, the periodical. Now, for those of you, the younger generation, periodical is something that these pages, and you turn it like that, okay? <laughs> Just want to make sure. But, but this verse was so important, and they included it. Here, on the front of their page book, here is the patience of the saints. Here they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And early Adventists, they love this verse. Because it really described who the Adventists were. Those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. But here's the question for you this morning. Is it possible to get so excited about the message? Is it possible to get so excited about Revelation 14 than to forget the messenger? Is it possible to know Revelation 14 by heart, but not to know Jesus? I'm asking you these questions because here it's, I believe, where Ellen White brings the greatest contribution to our understanding of Revelation chapter 14. Here it's where Ellen White is trying to bring Adventism into a balance between our Adventist identity and our Christian heritage. Because she knew that a Christless religion is not religion at all. She knew that. And I'll show you her greatest contribution to Revelation 14, the theme 
of our camp meeting. Let me pray. Lord, as we go and, and see what Ellen White has to say on, about Revelation, help us to grasp the idea that you, Jesus, must be the center of our own experience and the message that we want to proclaim. Amen. Recently, I read a story. When I read it, I thought that it's the author described my brother and me, okay? But it's a story about two boys, age 8 and 10, who were excessively mischievous. They were always into trouble. In fact, if anything bad happened into the town where they lived, their parents knew that somehow the two boys were involved. Hey? It's all about my brother and me, right? The parents didn't know what to do, so one day the, the mother heard that there was a new priest in town. And this priest had this ability to discipline children in the right way. So she went to her husband and said, do you mind if we take our kids to this priest? And the husband said, well, we might. I mean, we don't know what to do with them. So the mother took the boys to the priest. And the priest agreed to see them, but he asked to see them individually, one by one. So the, 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 the bigger boy, he, he kind of told his brother, well, you go first. So the eight years old boy goes inside. The priest sat him down. He looked into his eyes and said, little boy, do you know where is Jesus? The boy looked scared. He didn't know what to answer. Then the priest looked at him again and said, little boy, do you know where is Jesus? The boy freaked out. He didn't know what to say. Then the priest looked at him a third time and said, Little boy, do you know where Jesus is? The boy, scared, ran out from the room. He ran to his house and hid himself into the closet. His older brother followed him. He went, he opened the door and said, What happened? What happened? And the little boy said, Listen. Jesus is missing, and they th think that we did it. <laughs> you are laughing, but is it possible to get excited about our message about Revelation 14, but to forget the messenger? Is it possible to know the truth, but not to know Jesus? Let me take you to a, to a short historical journey. You know, I'm a historian, so I have to bring Seventh-day Adventist history, right? But Adventism, this small group of Sabbath-keeping Adventists, arose after the Great Disappointment. You remember when was the Great Disappointment? 1844, correct. Everyone gets A, okay. Uh, but after the Great Disappointment, this small group of Sabbath-keeping Adventists they, they, they started to organize little by little and, and they began to unite under a list of doctrines. Not 28, but they had at least five. They had the second coming, the Sabbath, the sanctuary, the state of the dead, the spirit of prophecy. And they were so excited about their message. They wanted to share it with everyone and they put everything into the context of Revelation 14. In 1863, this small group organized officially 
and Adventists love to preach their unique message. Why not? I mean, it was logical. After all, why do you want to preach the gospel to a Baptist? They know that. Give them the Sabbath. So Adventists love to preach their unique message. And since the Bible was on their side, they became good debaters. I mean, they could destroy everyone with the Bible. We are good in that, you know. I remember after the fall of communism, a friend of mine and, and, and I, we decided to go to every Orthodox church in the city. You know, Bulgaria, it's an Orthodox country. And our mission was not to go and talk to the priest, but to go and argue and show them that the Sabbath is the true day to worship. What a mission, huh? And we were only 18 and 19 years old. But this one-sided emphasis led Adventism to a crisis. Because gradually, Adventists forgot what it meant to be Christ-like. They had the perfect message. They had a good doctrinal package. They had the biblical truth. They had the third angel's message. But somehow, they lost sight of Jesus. By 1880s, for about 40 years, most Adventists were low-oriented. And they forgot Jesus. They lost sight of him. By 1880s, many Seventh-day Adventist leaders, and I'm talking the leaders of the church, believed that you can be saved simply by keeping the law alone. You don't believe me, you read some of the literature. And let me show you, since we are dealing with Revelation 14, 12, how they interpreted Revelation 14, verse 12. Look at this. This is, by the way, James White, but if you go to Jane Andrews and all these pioneers, they interpreted it the same way. They said, listen, this verse, there are three parts in the verse. First, the patience of the saints. Who are those? Well, this is the Adventists, those who are waiting for Jesus to come. Okay? Then they said the second part, those who keep the commandments of God. Well, what are the, the commandments of God? The Ten Commandments, right? And there they said, well, and those who have the faith of Jesus, what is the faith of Jesus? Huh? And Adventists somehow began to insert keeping, observing, obeying the faith of Jesus. You know how they interpreted it? They said, well, these are really the commandments of Jesus in the New Testament. Baptism, repentance, the Lord's Supper washing one another's feet. And nearly all Adventist interpreters of Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, saw the faith of Jesus as something that one should obey and keep. In fact, their favorite words were keep, do, law, commandments, obey. By 1880s, there was clearly a crisis within the Seventh-day Adventist community of faith. It culminated with the famous general conference at Minneapolis in 1888. But that's all another sermon. 
There were two groups. They were the old guards of the faith. That believe that you are saved when you keep the commandments, including the Sabbath. And then there were some younger theologians that, by the way, came from California, who began to say, listen, what about this righteousness by faith? What about the faith of Jesus? Shouldn't we bring this back into the Adventist theology? And Ellen White is observing this. She is looking at Adventism. And she is noticing that somehow Adventists had the truth. They had the third angel's message. Revelation 14, the three angels. They preached the Sabbath. But somehow they were out of balance. Because they put Jesus on the side. Unintentionally. And she noted that Revelation 14, the third angel's message, must be proclaimed in the context of the gospel. I know you're looking at me as like, I don't believe you. You don't believe me? Okay. Let's go to Ellen White. Look what she writes. By the way, I had so much material, I was wondering what to put here, okay? I'm just going to give you three examples. Because otherwise we have to, you know, forget the... Uh, veggie sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> listen to what Ellen White says. 1888. And she's talking about the third angel's message. The third angel's message is the proclamation of the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The commandments of God have been proclaimed, but the faith of Jesus Christ has not be, been proclaimed by whom? By Seventh-day Adventists, as of equal importance, the law and the gospel going hand in hand. I cannot find language to express this subject in its fullness. The faith of Jesus, she writes, it is talked of, but not understood. What constitutes the faith of Jesus that belongs to the third angel's message? Jesus becoming our sin-bearer, that he might become our sin pardoning Savior. He was treated as we deserve to be treated. He came to our world and took our sins that we might take his righteousness and faith in the ability of Christ to save us amply and fully and entirely is the faith of Jesus. Ellen White is pointing to, the, to, the, to Revelation chapter 14 verse 12 and says, you know what the faith of Jesus is? It is the gospel. It is where our salvation is. It is Christ crucified. And we have forgotten that. And here is where I, th where I think Ellen White makes her greatest contribution. One more example. A year later, in 1889, Ellen White writes, by the way, MS, it's a manuscript, okay? I forgot to, you know, to, to put the whole thing, but it's a manuscript. Somebody asked me the first uh, service. She writes, the soul-saving message, the third angel's message, is the message to be given to the world. The commandments of God and the faith of Jesus are both important. Immensely important and must be given with what? Equal force and power. And look now, she is noticing something. The first part of the message, the commandments, has been dwelt upon mostly. The last part, how? Casually. The faith of Jesus is not comprehended. We must talk it, we must live it, we must pray it, and educate the people to bring this part of the message into their whole life. 
there have been entire discourses, dry and Christless. This is Ellen White, friends, in which Jesus has clearly been named. We need to repent and be converted. Yes, the preacher converted. The power people have Jesus lifted up before them. The people must have Jesus lifted up before them. And they must be entreated to look and live. And one more example. This is 1891. Of all professed Christians, Seventh-day Adventists should be foremost in Read it with me. Uplifting Christ before the world. And she continues. You see, there was a real problem. Adventists love their unique message. They loved Revelation chapter 14. But somehow excited about our uniqueness and our commandments, they unintentionally put Jesus aside. And Ellen White worried and said, no, 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 no. I'm concerned for my church. Because somehow we have lost sight of Jesus and religion without Christ is not religion at all Helen White noted that we need both we need the prophetic significance the Adventist uniqueness but also Jesus and the gospel the mere Christianity she noted that the two must go hand in hand and then you have the complete message and it's interesting when Ellen White got excited, you know, in the 80s about Jesus. By the way, she wrote most of her books, Desire of Ages, you know, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings and, and, and Christ's Object Lessons, after the crisis. Because she knew that we needed Jesus. And when she got excited, you know what happened? Some people started noticing Ellen White being too excited about Jesus. And they got upset. This sister, something is wrong with her. What about the commandments? Look what she replied to such concern souls. It is true, men will say, you are too excited. You are making too much of this matter. And you do not think enough of the law. Now you must think more of the law. Don't be all the time reaching for this righteousness of Christ, but build up the law. And then she says, let the law take care of itself. We have been at work of the law until we get as dry as the hills of Bilboa without dew and rain. Let us trust in the merits of Jesus of Nazareth. May God help us that our eyes may be anointed with ourselves. That we may see God helping us. We will draw near to him and he says he will draw nigh to us. Ellen White saw that Adventism needed rebaptism, that Adventism needed Jesus, that our message needed Jesus at the center. But here's a fundamental question before I finish. Here's really the important question. Why was Ellen White so concerned about bringing Jesus back? After all, we need to be unique and preach our uniqueness. Why Ellen White wanted to bring people back to Jesus? Why Jesus had to be the center of Adventist theology? That's a fundamental question. Why? 
Answer? Because it is only Jesus who can change and transform your and my heart. You see, you may have a beautiful message, but it is a powerless message. It cannot change you. It can only inform you, you see. But it's only the power of Jesus that can change your heart and my inner soul. And Ellen White knew that. And that's why she became so passionate about Jesus. You don't believe me? Go to the Bible. Matthew chapter 19. There is a story. I call it the story of the best Seventh-day Adventist that ever lived under the sun. By the way, he was probably from Kalimesa Church, okay? <laughs> the best Seventh-day Adventist. Now, now he goes one day and he meets Jesus. You remember the story, the young rich ruler? He meets Jesus and, 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 and he, he, he is saying, Jesus, by the way, he is asking an important question. What must I do in order to be saved? That's the ultimate question in life. And Jesus looks at him and says, oh, it's, it's easy. You keep the commandments and Jesus gives him a list. Remember? And it's all the Ten Commandments. And the young man, I mean, he felt so good. He said, man, great. He said to Jesus, you know what? I have kept eight out of the ten. Is that what? I kept how many? All. I told you he was the best Seventh-day Adventist. I kept all. But the young man felt that something was missing within his Christian experience. Because he followed Jesus with another question and said, but is there anything else? I, I'm missing something. And Jesus replied, verse 21, Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, you know what? You've kept the commandments. But now it's time that you follow me. Now it's time that you walk with me. He said, go and sell all your possessions. Come and follow me. And look at this verse. That, that's amazing. I want you to see the picture. Okay? Then the young man heard this. He went away from whom? The best Adventist kept all the commandments, but he went away from Jesus. You see why Ellen White was concerned? We may have the right message, we may keep the, all the commandments of God, but without Jesus, your faith means nothing. And that's why Ellen White saw that and said, we need to transform. My friends, here's the truth. If I put enough efforts, if I only put enough efforts, I can keep all the commandments of God. Believe me, I'm Bulgarian. I'm a stubborn person. <laughs> Ask my wife. She's right there. <laughs> and if I really decide, I can stop eating cheesecake right now. But it is only through the transformation, through the power of Jesus... That my heart can be changed. It is only through Jesus that I can become a new person. Which is easier to do by the way. 
to keep the Sabbath from sunset to sunset or not to gossip about you when you talk against me to that sister. You see? Ellen White knew that we needed Jesus at the center of our message because Jesus is the only one who can transform and change our inner sinful beings and transforms us. Revelation 14 is God's final message. But it will only have power to change people when we put Jesus, the faith of Jesus, and His saving grace at the very center. It's a beautiful message. But without Jesus, it's only a message. Look what Ellen White says, and I'm finishing, I promise. There is much light yet to shine forth from the law of God and the gospel of righteousness. This message, she's talking about the third angel's message, understood in its true character and proclaimed in the spirit with, will lighten the earth with its glory. The closing work of the third angel's message will be attended with a power that will send the rays of the son of righteousness, Jesus, into all the highways and byways of life. Revelation 14, it's a powerful message, but it will fulfill its purpose when we put Jesus at the very center. Because it's only Jesus that can transform your and my heart. I'm debating how to finish, but I'll go off script, can I? So I'll still have a story, so, you know, the choir will be ready. <laughs> but yesterday I was sitting in front of Starbucks. Don't worry, I was drinking only mineral water, okay? <laughs> so. But I was sitting there and preparing my PowerPoint. And next to me sat, I was outside, so a lady sat next to me. And I thought that my chair, you know, was on her way, so I, I kind of pulled it out. And she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I, I have to speak tomorrow, so I'm preparing a PowerPoint. Oh, so you're a Christian. Yes. So she said, I'm Christian too. What denomination are you? And I said, well, um, Seventh-day Adventist. She said, oh, really? I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, but I'm not Seventh-day Adventist anymore. I said, why not? Because I grew up, she said, in Romania. I said, well, I grew up in Bulgaria, but I'm still a Seventh-day Adventist. Well, but you guys talk only about the law and the law and the Sabbath, and my parents made me do all these things, and don't, 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 don't. So I, now I go to an independent church. I said, well, but you're missing the whole point. Because God's commandments and the Sabbath that you hate really all about Jesus. She said, no, that's not true. Yes, it is. Believe me, I'm Bulgarian. <laughs> you know, Romanians, they don't believe it. <laughs> we have a little, you know. <laughs> and I explained to her that the Sabbath is not about keeping the right day. Amen. It's about having time, date with Jesus. I mean, when you're in love, you spend time with the person that you're in love with, right? Yes. And I told her, Sabbath, it's all. She's like, I've never heard that. 
we may have the right message. But that message without Jesus is nothing. But when we have Revelation 14, this may bring, as Ellen White says, it can bring people to Jesus only when we put Christ into the center. And so as we finish this series on Revelation chapter 14, and our theme, by the way, was to all the world, right? Right? This is our mission. I challenge you personally and as a church, I challenge us. Let's be a church that proclaim Revelation 14 within the context of the gospel. And when we do this, believe me, people will come to an everlasting relationship with Jesus. Because it's only Jesus that can change them. Like he changed me and like he changed you. And this is the greatest contribution of Ellen White to our understanding of Revelation 14. God bless you. Amen.